everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Salt Lake 2002 Retrospective Podcast, a back-of-house look at the planning and delivery of the Salt Lake 2002 Olympic Winter and Paralympic Winter Games, as told by the very people who organized them. I'm Christian Napier, and now today is a special day because we're recording three episodes, which is a record for me so far, and our first guest today is Deirdre Morris Abrahamson, who I remember is this really amazing, super fit, Frisbee-loving, wonderful person. Deirdre, how are you? I'm great, Kristen. Well, I'm great to hear that you're great. Um, <laughs> where are you joining us from today, Deirdre? I live outside of Philadelphia in a town called Wallingford, Pennsylvania. Wow. And how long have you been there? I moved here in 2009, but I went to college at Penn. So uh, the Philadelphia area is like my second home. Okay, that's fantastic. And aside from living there, are you working there as well? I am. I work with our uh, local school district, the Wallingford Swarthmore School District, and I'm their communications uh, specialist. And I oversee all of their social media accounts, update the website, and just help with communications in general. How is that working with this whole COVID thing and everybody's, you know, sheltering in place and the kids aren't in school and all that kind of stuff? I am as busy as ever, just sharing information and updates from the superintendent, created a section of the website that addresses uh, the current situation. Um, and instead of going around to our five schools and sharing photos and videos from concerts and sporting events, um, people are sending me things to share. Right now I'm working on a science project video of kids who submitted their um, at-home science experiments. We'll be having our graduation coming up, which will be actually on our um, uh, athletic field, and it's going to be staggered throughout the day. Where So the um, we have just un under 300 uh, seniors, so they can all receive their diplomas and walk across the, the stage. And we're also going to have a drive um, a drive through all the neighborhoods parade of the seniors on that day too. So oh, that's really cool. That's really yeah. cool. You know, and some of the places I think around here, you know, some of the graduation ceremonies were just outright canceled or some were postponed till August and some are doing some of this virtual stuff. It's nice to have some kind of a physical graduation where people, I guess, even socially distanced uh, can participate in person. Well, one other thing that I am, uh, sad about is that I am one of the coaches and the founder of the Strathaven High School Ultimate Frisbee team. We started them, started the team in 2014. And last year, our team, our boys team placed second at the state championships and our girls team third. And this was going to be another big, exciting season. And my son is a sophomore on the team. So it's just disappointing for you know, for the team not to be able to have their season, but for everyone who's missing out on all the things they were looking forward to and building up towards. So, um, yeah, it's very difficult times all around, but luckily we're all healthy here. Well, I'm glad to hear that you're all healthy, but I know it's got to be hard for the kids, particularly kids who are involved in sports because sports provides so much structure, uh, teamwork and camaraderie. I mean, how do children deal with it when something as fundamental as both education and sports are kind of not necessarily taken out of their lives, but they've got to pivot to do a lot more things on their own or, you know, they're at home a lot more. I mean, how, how is it for the kids, you know, to, to deal with this uh, massive change? Well, I have two kids and they're in grade seven, seven and 10. So I'm, I feel very fortunate that they're very 
self-directed and can do their own thing as myself and my husband are working. But I hear from other families where the kids are younger, if you have toddlers, it's just hard to, uh, you know, disrupt life like that and to really substitute, you know, what they, they need and are missing out on. So um, I hope we, everyone can get back to school in the fall. Yeah, me too. I hope that uh, this thing abates and and we can return to some semblance of normal, whatever normal might look like here in the future. I don't really know. But Mm -hmm. we're not going to look to the future too much in this podcast. We're going to look to the past and we're going to recollect the memories of Salt Lake 2002, you know, winding the clock back about 20 years or so ago. And what I want to ask first, Deirdre, for you is, well, just how did you arrive in Salt Lake? What were you doing before Salt Lake? What was your journey to get to Salt Lake? Well, as I mentioned, I went to college in Philadelphia. I attended the University of Pennsylvania where I studied English and actually went on for a fifth year to get my master's in education. And I also ran track um, and was a member and captain of the track team at Penn. So sports was always a big part of my life. And I had wanted to teach and coach and I taught for a short time. And then I fell into event management. Um, when I was in college, I was an intern at the Women's Sports Foundation one summer and then and also worked in the athletic department as my work-study job. And then after, uh, I think it was 1996, I'd be, I was hired for the Philadelphia D.C. AIDS ride, a large 3,000-person bike ride from Philadelphia to Washington, Washington D.C., where I was, um, you know, managed all the volunteers and from there, and that was a great experience. And then from there, I moved back to New York City, where I'm from, and I worked in the Parks Department of New York, organizing youth sporting events and programs and clinics throughout the five boroughs. And uh, from there, I went to Advantage International, which is now Octagon, up in Connecticut, and uh, worked on their BMW account, traveling around the country, setting up driving programs from the, the new three series. And um, and that that was definitely fun and met a lot of people. And after graduate school, I started playing ultimate frisbee, which really uh, scratched that itch of competing and being part of a team. And actually, it was the first team sport for me. And I just was playing in Philadelphia with the team that when I was living there with the team there, we competed in the world championships in Vancouver in 1997, which was amazing. And then in New York, I played with the women's team there. And while I was working for Advantage, I went to a tournament in Italy that is every Easter weekend in Rimini called Paganello. And that was just a wonderful, life-changing experience that I decided I was going to quit my job and move to Italy. I quit my job, but I moved to Barcelona because a friend was moving there and I'd met players from the Barcelona ultimate team called Patatas Bravas. And I just went there mostly to play ultimate. And I also ended up teaching English and studying Spanish, but I played with the team and we went to tournaments in uh, like at Oktoberfest in Munich and in the tournament in Grenoble and they host a beach tournament. Um, so I was living in Barcelona in 1999, just kind of taking a break. And I also felt like, well, I had never studied abroad um, during college. So this is my opportunity to just be abroad 
But the other thing is that my growing up, my father worked for Aer Lingus um, and I lived in New York City and we traveled a lot to Ireland and London and Paris and all around the United States. So I always had a travel bug. Um, so uh, I had a great time there. And then in Jan after New Year's, so in January of 2000, I decided, okay, I'm going to go back to the U.S. now. And I did. And I ended up getting a, um, I forget even how this came about, but I got some consulting work with the Women's Sports Foundation and helped them set up the uh, golf outing and uh, with their annual summit, helped do some organization for that. And I was, uh, previously when I was in New York, I had gotten involved with a organization called Women in Sports and Events. And through some contacts there, I had heard that they got jobs in Salt Lake City. So I forwarded my resume to them and they passed it on. And then I got uh, probably a phone call or I don't know if it was a phone call or email from Darren Hughes to come work as the uniform program manager. So that is how I came to Salt Lake. I interviewed, I guess I flew out for it. And then I moved to Salt Lake in June of 2000. Well, that's an incredible journey, dear Joe. That's a really <laughs> incredible journey. Uh, I appreciate you taking us through all that. It gives us a lot of context as to who you are. You joined there in June of 2000, coincidentally, is the same time I joined, uh, was in June of 2000. And you mentioned that you were in charge of the uniform program. So I got to ask you about the uniforms. I know that Darren was heavily involved in that as well, but I still see people today in Salt Lake City during the winter wearing their mountain shadow volunteer jacket or whatever. Tell us a little bit about the uniform program, your role in helping to develop and administer that program. And uh, some of the, so some of the, the highlights of, of your time there um, working there with the uniforms. Yeah. So um, I know the, the unit we worked with the, the uniform when I got there was definitely under process. I don't, I feel like they were just like finalizing the colors and it was the, like you said, the shadow blue and uh, for the general staff, then red for medical, green for field of play and yellow for event services. So it was a very like simple, just four colors. Um, then there's also gold and silver jackets for IOC members and other people. Um, but every, all the staff and volunteers got a full uniform outfit um, from Marker. And I remember Linda, I don't remember her last name, who we would go over to Marker headquarters and meet with her to finalize things and discuss things. Um, and everyone got uh, a jacket and pants, might even been two pair of pants, I don't remember. Gloves, hat, the cross pack bag. Um, so I, as we moved into nearing the operational phase, we started setting up the Team 2002 Processing Center. So I was the general manager of that. And we had 30,000 staff and volunteers come through there to pick up their accreditation first. They went through that um, station first and then came to the back, of, the back of the warehouse. So we had taken over a warehouse and set up tons of shelves in the back. So they had uniforms in all sizes and on all of the colors. And then we had about a hundred volunteers working there um, doing all the operations. I remember we like created 
fitting areas with uh, PVC pipes and people just came in and went down the line getting their um, their items. Then after the games, people came back there for their uh, for tension items and volunteer gifts. And I worked there with uh, Tori Baker, who oversaw the, that program, and then Lauren Routh was our HR person who managed the volunteer scheduling and all of that. Um, so leading up to, we went operational, I think it was 60 days before the games. And I remember Mitt came out there for a ribbon cutting ceremony and we had to get the giant scissors from somewhere. And he said my name on TV. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, we were really busy um, you know, leading up to the games. Yeah. Okay. So I got, um, a, I got a couple of questions here for you. Number one, well, one is, I guess it's more of a comment. Uh, the name team 2002 processing center for, for me, it always sounded like a meatpacking plant or something, you know, it's like yeah. we're going there to, to process people. Uh, but uh, one of the things that you just mentioned there was where do you find big scissors? So where did you get the big scissors from? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> I, I kind of feel like it was Lauren or uh, I don't remember where we got those. Maybe they were on hand somewhere. <laughs> All right. My next question about the uniforms is the sizes. How did you identify or determine how many of which sizes you needed? And did you run out of any particular sizes? That's a good question. I feel like we did run out of sizes and had more on the smaller end. Um, I feel like for staff, all the areas had to uh, fill out their size request sheets. I'm pretty sure we had to do something like that to no, And then also the volunteers, when they filled out applications, selected their sizes. So everything was kind of put into a general um you know, order to make sure we had enough. But thinking back to this time and questions like this, I don't really remember. Like I remember, I think we ran out of um, larger sizes, but there's nothing, you know, that, those memories are not fresh anymore. Uh, I also feel like leading up to it, uh, some boxes got stolen from one of Marcus trucks or something. And then they were found uh, some boxes of uniforms <laughs> found in the, um, a ditch or something. So these memories are coming back, but they're not always, uh, you know, the top things that I remember. I, re I do. I feel like, and also there were times it was really busy and backed up. And I, and I feel like we, um, had assigned times when people should come, but I mean, with 30,000 people eager to get their uniforms and accreditation, um, there were some very busy times, particularly right before the games. But then once the game started, we slowed down, which was great because then we could, I could, I went out to watch some of the competitions and things like that. I want to ask you about those competitions. Were there any particularly memorable competitions that you attended? Went to the men's snowboarding finals. I'm pretty sure it was the, the finals. And that was really awesome and a nice day. And then also my husband is from Sweden. And his family came out from Sweden. So he and his dad went to the um, 
Sweden versus Czech Republic hockey game. We also went to the biathlon to watch that top Swedish biathlete compete. I can't think of her name right now, but I wish I had gone to more. And one other thing is that my sister ended up getting a job with Slock as well. Uh, Her name is Siobhan. So she came out from New York and worked with Result Services, and she was at the uh, ice skating, figure skating. And so I, I regret not going there to try to watch some of that competition. Yeah, I wish I would have gone to see more events as well. I got to see a few, so I can't complain. But um, sometimes I look back and wish I would have taken more advantage of the opportunity to see more things. It's really cool that you were able to have your family involved in some respects, either as spectators or or co-workers as well. Yeah, and one other interesting story is that my family expanded while I was there because I got married when I was at SLOC. (laughs) So I... Went back to that in April of 2001. I went back to that Frisbee tournament over Easter in Rimini. And I stayed an extra couple of days and went to a second tournament that was down in the heel of the boot of Italy. Rimini's on the East Coast further up. So some friends and I, we took, I don't know how we got to Rome, but then we took a train down to Bari and went to this tournament that a friend organized called Pastichotto. So at the Rimini tournament, there's about 1,400 people. And at this one, there's about 100. And um, and at one of the first night, it was just over a weekend. And at the dinner on the first night, I was sitting across from this guy from Sweden. And we ended up getting married <laughs> in October of 2001. So he is from Sweden and he was living in Switzerland at the time, playing with the team in Geneva and working there. So we just kept in touch and visited each other. And he moved to Salt Lake City at the end of September. So it was after 9-11. And a couple of weeks later, we got married in our apartment. And... (laughs) 19 years later, we're still going strong, even though we really didn't know each other for that long at the time. But it was just one of those things where, all right, this is, this feels right. So let's, let's go ahead with it. Wow, that is so cool. That is fantastic. That's awesome. So yeah, huge, uh, huge changes there for you working there for the Salt Lake organizing committee. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I want to ask you about where it went after there, but before we go to the post games, uh, question, yeah. you know, you, you mentioned Darren, mm-hmm. uh, and you mentioned, uh, Tori Baker. Mm-hmm. I hope to get some of these people on by the way, but, uh, you've mentioned some of these people. So I'd like to just kind of ask you, you know, you know, the, I know it's hard to name names, but as you as you look back at that time, as memories fade, uh, they are fading for me too, which is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast because I forget everything. You know, some of the people that you worked with mm-hmm. you know, that you found inspiring or uh, mentors or people that were just, you know, flat out funny, you know, mm-hmm. who are some of those memorable people that you worked with? Just before I go to that, I just want to add one other thing. Um, so yeah, I definitely got to know a lot of people at Slock, but Also, while I was in Salt Lake, a lot of my time was spent playing Ultimate Frisbee and with the team 
that was um, that a, a, a co-ed team I became a part of that was called Persuader. And so a lot of my time on weekends, we were going to tournaments, we're driving to Colorado for the weekend, Wyoming, Idaho, Montana. We went, drove up to Bellingham, Washington. Um, and our team in September of 2001, we went to Florida for the national championships and the team qualified for the world championships that were going to be the following uh, July or August 2002 in Hawaii. During the national championships, I collided with a player from Texas and broke my collarbone. So that was not fun. But um, so, yeah, definitely just met a lot of people uh, through that. And also like at our little reception ceremony. So I had a lot of Frisbee friends and a lot of uh, Slock friends, including Renee Choice, who still I consider her a good friend today. Most people know her as the bubbly HR person who welcomed you to Slock. Um, just really an amazing person. And she she and Lauren helped a lot put together this last minute fly by the night wedding. Uh, so she was awesome. And I follow a lot of people on uh, Facebook, like Darren, Darren and, um, and Jamie Shaw. And just seeing all of her travels with her work is really inspiring. Um, Sheridan Jones became a good friend, as well as David McRae. Uh, yeah, David was really awesome. And I had interviewed for a job in London 2012 and met up with him there. Um, my roommate, when I first when I first got there and stayed in the temporary housing, two other people staying there were uh, Roger Bow and Eric Bacher. And I feel connected with Roger Bow, Lou Loria, and Natalie Moldover because we're all from New York, and uh, Roger's from Queens too. I think Lou is from the Bronx, so I follow all of them on Facebook and see what they're up to. But Eric Bacher and I became housemates on some in some house up near the Capitol. It was really a cute little house. I, I haven't stayed in touch with him. Um, also, Daniel Pacheco, who's very active on Facebook, and I follow him and see what he's up to, as well as Rich Canaday. It was really fun hearing his interview and uh, learning more about his story, but I see what he's up to um, you know, through Facebook. Uh, Manja Richter from Germany uh, also. And um, about two years ago, I was competing in – I also do some master track meets and two years ago I went to the national masters track championships that were just outside of uh, DC and Sheridan and Dave came to watch me compete in the shot put which was so awesome to have them there and I um in the competition was a former team so I was, was my age group 40 to 45 at the time um and I ended up winning the competition and throwing the lifetime best <laughs> and the person who got second, who was my teammate at Penn, and the girl who got third, or the woman who got third, was a former competitor in the heptathlon from Brown. So it was really fun to be there. Uh, but it's really fun to uh, see Sheridan and Dave, and then I uh, visited with them after. And it's just really nice keeping in touch uh, with all these people that would have a shared connection with through this awesome experience in Salt Lake City.
Well, that's wonderful to hear all of those names. Many of them I have not heard since I left Salt Lake. Uh, some of those, like you mentioned, Rich, you know, we talked to him earlier and Daniel, we did a, a podcast with him also. And uh, just this morning, I was uh, DMing with Roger. So Roger has agreed to do one. And so he's gonna, or I'm going to interview him hopefully Wednesday next week. So it's uh, it's fun to to hear all of these names and hear all of these stories but I kind of want to come back to this to this Frisbee team that you had here in Salt Lake and you were driving all these places and it, and those are long hauls. You mentioned Bellingham, Washington. I mean, that's up by the, <laughs> the Canadian border above Seattle. I mean, that's, that's a long ways, <laughs> a long ways to drive. Um, I want to know how did you all drive in a big van or did you take separate vehicles and, um, um, and who did the driving? I, I remember I think we took separate, we would carpool the one up to Bellingham. They rented one of those campers, but now I think my husband and Petter and I flew. I can't remember if we, <laughs> but mostly carpool. But I remember like going to play in a tournament in like a uh, Durango and then driving back on Sunday night, which was not um, very fun to drive six to eight hours or whatever it was after a tournament, but it was a lot of fun and I really miss those playing days. Now that I'm, um, like I mentioned, we started a team here in our local high school. I also run the middle school club where we have about 25 kids that come out every week. We have 60 kids on three teams in the high school. And I was also the youth director for our local Philadelphia area disc alliance for two years. So I just, I love Ultimate and I love teaching it to others and getting kids involved, but I really wish I could play the way I used to. And um, the tournaments were so much fun. One other quick thing is that my husband and I, um, we had played against each other in Germany um, in 2000 at the World Championships. And he was playing with the co ed team from Switzerland, from Switzerland and I was playing with the co-ed team from Ireland. So the photo of the two teams together with both of us in it about a year before we met. So that's <laughs> kind of a nice connection. Well, for you, it sounds to me like life has revolved around sport and Frisbee. And mm -hmm. I think it's just wonderful. And it was an important part of your life here in Salt Lake. But the games ended and people go yeah. their separate ways. Well, uh, what was the impact of working for Salt Lake? Uh, what was that impact on you both personally and professionally? What was the legacy for Deirdre of the oh, Salt Lake 2002 games? Just the pride of being part of an event of that magnitude and um, getting to be a part of an event that was so successful and fun. It was like a great honor. Uh, I definitely learned a lot. And made a lot of great connections. And from there, we actually moved to Sweden in December of 2002. And we lived there for seven years. And during that time, I got a job with the 2006 European Athletics Championships, which were in Gothenburg. And I worked there for two years and helping to organize logistics. And I was the accreditation manager during the leading up to and during the event. And that was a really awesome experience. And I know my time at uh, the SLOC definitely helped me stand out to get that role. 
and uh, just coming from track and field background and being in Sweden where track and field athletes are celebrities in 2004 they won four gold medals in track and field and everyone knows who they are and they're on talk shows and stuff it was just a real joy to be there and also got to do some site visits at um, the indoor European track and field championships in Madrid and then the outdoor world champion track and field championships in Finland and um, that was a great that was a really awesome experience and I know my Olympic experience helped me. Well, Deirdre, this has been super fun for me to hear all of these really interesting things. All of this Frisbee stuff is really, really cool. But I've got some assignments to kind of wrap up our little conversation this morning. And the first assignment has to do with the song, or it could be more than one song. Yeah. It's my podcast. I can make the rules. Uh, so is there a song that you hear today? And whenever you hear it, it just reminds you of Salt Lake 2002? Well, We Are Made of Stars by Moby, if that's the title of the song. But I believe he was before. I think he was there live performing at the closing ceremonies and played yes. that song. And the athletes were just dancing and having a blast. And that was incredible to hear that song and just watch their like joy and just that right. feeling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there's been a lot of songs been nominated from that closing ceremony. We've, we've heard uh, people nominate Bon Jovi. We've heard people nominate kiss. So I'm very, very happy to add Moby to the playlist. We have a playlist on Spotify. I'm putting all the songs that everybody's nominated on there. So anybody with Spotify can go on and listen to the songs on the playlist. Now, Let's talk about uh, food. Uh, was there a particular restaurant that you like to frequent when you lived there in Salt Lake? I don't know if it was the red iguana or the blue iguana, but the one that when you're driving down to, to the airport was on your right. I think it was the red that iguana. That would be the red iguana, yes. And that had the best Mexican food and tacos that I I can still taste it. <laughs> well, you, it was really good. you are absolutely right. I love the Red Iguana. It is my favorite Mexican restaurant in the state of Utah. And I love mole and they specialize in mole and it is wonderful. And I hope once this whole COVID thing stops, I can get back there and have some more. So that's a great choice, Deirdre, a great choice for the restaurant. I'm going to put that one on the map on my website. All the restaurants that have been nominated, I've just been pinning to a little map uh, on my website. So thank you for that. My final question for you today, is there a particular moment? It could have been at a competition. It could have been something behind the scenes or before or during the games that whenever you think about it, it's just your goosebump moment. It, it uh, just gives you all the good feels. Okay, I have two. So the first one is at the opening ceremonies with Sting and Yo-Yo Ma performing How Fragile We Are. And that was, you know, you could drop a pin in the audience. And it was just so powerful to see these two musical geniuses perform so passionately. And especially the, I don't know the correct word, but you know, the intensity of that ceremony that had so much emotion and uh the having the flag from the world trade center and george w bush and um 
it was just a very intense moment. The other yeah, thing uh, is before you get to yeah. the second moment, I apologize yeah. for interrupting, but I just have to do this because you mentioned early on that you are from New York City and you know several of your colleagues were there. So what was that like? You know, 9-11 happens in your hometown, and then you have these ceremonies that that were more than just ceremonies. Um, they they were they were an important moment of bringing the world together and announcing to the world that that we are moving forward, that we are continuing. You know, as a as a native New Yorker, what was that like for you? Yeah, that was really powerful, and I remember that morning I had moved into the the house that Petter and I were going to um, live in because he was the plan was for him to move over and I didn't have a TV and Lauren called me Lauren Routh so I ran to uh, over to our neighbors who were University of Utah college students and just watched there and it just you know calling my family even though they're in Queens and I didn't really we didn't have anyone um, you know working in that area but I ended up knowing a fire I knew a firefighter who died and then my brothers and all of our Catholic high schools in Queens, we all knew people that um, passed away and and also um, someone on my frisbee team's relative uh, died in the Pentagon. So you know everything was I think Sting and Yo-Yo Ma's song really, summed it up and then how you know how fragile we are and also just what you said and how connected we are and strong and that we were going to move forward and celebrate the good well i apologize again for interrupting your story but i just it just hit me when you were when you were talking about that um that it i i would imagine it would just have extra impact uh for you being a native new yorker so um what's your what's your second story it was so much fun going down to Olympic Medals Plaza in the evenings to see um, musical performances and watching athletes from that day receive medals. So I, we went there a couple of times, but one that really stood out was the Foo Fighters. And that was such a great audience and vibe and performance. And Dave Grohl kept on ragging on Dave Matthews, who had performed like the night before. Uh, it's just really funny and fun, and just a just a great memory. And I was there with um, my husband, and just had a blast. And that's really, you know, Olympics is just more about more than just the the sports and the playing fields. It's also about all the people that bring it work together to bring it together as well as all the everyone who attends and the joy and celebration of just coming together for some really amazing moments so that really captured that for me well i'm so glad that you mentioned the foo fighters there um i just a couple of weeks ago talked with uh, another former slot person who mentioned that concert as a highlight as well because it was the day that the you talked about the snowboard, right? So the the they mm -hmm. swept the USA swept the medals there, and Dave Grohl was just so in awe of being able to perform in front of these athletes um, that that concert was electric. So it was a legendary moment. And so thank you so much for sharing those stories, Deirdre. This has been a huge amount of fun. Thank you for taking the time and overcoming all the technology hurdles that we had to overcome to make this happen. I really appreciate it. 
you mentioned that you, you know, you're active on social media with all of uh, your work. Uh, and then also you've been maintaining connections with many people on Facebook and whatnot. What's the best way for people to stay in touch with you or connect with you to, uh, to share some of those memories? Uh, yeah, definitely Facebook. I'm on Facebook and Twitter um, and Instagram, but Facebook is, I don't know, I'm pretty active there. So my name there is Deirdre Morris Abrahamson, and I'm also on LinkedIn. So anyone could reach out anytime. I'd love to hear from you. All right. Fantastic. Well, thank you again, Deirdre, for the time. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast. Deirdre, thank you so much. Christian, thank you so much for doing this. It's a real pleasure and great to hear you.